Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. And we've already recorded our episode with Brittany Young. You are going to love all she has to say about being an Enneagram 9. But Brittany is an educator, a certified yoga instructor and practitioner, a blogger, and lover of all things related to the Enneagram. Recently, she and her sister started a lifestyle blog together centered around the habits of mindful living. We'll talk more about her blog later in the episode. In fact, Brittany first learned about the Enneagram from her sister. It took her about two years to settle on her number, but she is quite sure, and so are we, that she is and always has been an Enneagram 9. You're going to love being with Brittany and we so appreciate her joining us. Well, welcome, Brittany, to Enneagram Plus Yoga. Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm <laughs> glad to be with you guys. It's so good to have you, and Brittany is an Enneagram 9. Um, I met Brittany at an Enneagram workshop that I did at Yoga Landing, and uh, at the workshop, I remember Kat commented on Brittany had to be a nine because her voice just was so peaceful, right? So gentle. Do you remember that? I remember being a white single female because I was like, I'm just gravitating towards you. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's probably thinking this lady is a lunatic. (laughs) But you have such calming energy about you. Your presence is lovely. Your voice, your tone, your personality comes through. But just the aura around you, I just... I'm drawn to that. So I remember that that clearly, and I was expressing it quite um, forward-like. And I was like, she probably thinks I am just crazy. But yeah, it was great. And having had your class or taken your class several times, um, I found it to be very grounding and you're very wise. You impart a lot of wisdom. You've taught previously at Yoga Landing and you're taking a pause because you're a school teacher um, right now, but she'll be back. So check out the schedule for Brittany in the future. Uh, But I just want to say that um, you have a lot to offer, like a lot of the nines in my life. I feel enriched by nines and Um, Yeah, her presence is very peaceful, uh, but she's also quite wise, especially to be so young. And so we're grateful to have you. Um, Here, here. Yeah. But I want to get started with questions, our Enneagram 9 questions. Kat and I both have some. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what we know about the Enneagram 9s is they avoid conflict. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so my question is, is that true for you? And if so, how are you working on being more assertive, uh, even when it's uncomfortable? Yeah, so I definitely avoid conflict. I've always just, I found that I feel very unsafe in conflict and I don't feel secure. Um, But I know that it's good for me. I know that it's good to enter into that because it can create more peace in the future. Um, But something that I found that's helped me in that process is finding safe people to um, enter into conflict with when you need to. Um, My husband's that for me, so I feel very safe with him. 
Um, and it's like good practice. So if it's something small, challenging myself to bring it up, it's really hard to do, but it's good practice for me because I haven't done conflict much when I do enter into it. I don't know how to do it very well. Mm. Um, and so having that practice with safe people makes it a lot easier when I do enter into that conflict with people I may not feel as safe or as comfortable with. Mm. Um, yeah, and that definitely has helped, <laughs> but it's so hard still. It's so hard. <laughs> it is so hard. And it's great that you have that opportunity to know who's safe, mm. your husband being one of those people yeah. so that hopefully eventually, because, you know, the workplace is a place where there can be a lot of conflict so that if you practice mm-hmm. it with him, Hopefully you'll be ready at some point for (laughs) the workplace. Um, Definitely. (laughs) But, you know, the gift of the peacemakers, that gentle spirit um, also ties into what you have to work on. And even though you're so gentle, that's great. But then sometimes you have to be that peaceful warrior, like the pose in yoga, where you bring the peace, but also you bring that strong sense of self. So thank you for that. And I get it. And you know, when um, we took Christy's workshop, I remember um, I was gravitating towards you because you reminded me of my mom. I think my mom was a nine. Mm -hmm. And something that you just said that the conflict is difficult. So my mom, when I was much older, told me one time, she's like, you know, so I got married and my father did something wrong. And she's like, and she's like, I think we need to have a fight and I don't know what to say. She's like, I don't even know how to fight. No. I don't know what words to, and I yeah. thought, this is the craziest thing I've ever, like, <laughs> for me, it's right, da, 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 yeah. da, da, but it's true. Yeah. So it's it's real. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah, and yeah. I think I'll leave like conversations of um, things that bother me and I'll come home and I can express them so clearly to my husband or yeah. even like if I talk on the phone to my sister. But if I get in the room with the person who I have conflict with, yeah. it's like all of that goes away, goes away. because mm-hmm. I feel like if I were to vocalize truly how I felt to them, I would hurt them. And that would Mm. cause a separation, which is, you know, one of those fears of the nine is not, you know, being alone or being separated. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. that's one of those things of like, well, if I just keep it low key, people won't want to like leave me or walk away from a relationship. But sometimes entering that conflict makes those relationships healthier in the long run. Right. Yeah. So it's all looking like long term. That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Very wise. That is so wise. And that's true. The fear of fragmentation. Mm-hmm. You know, the nines want to merge with others. They want to be at harmony. And yet conflict. And like you said, in the short mm-hmm. term, it's really hard. In the long term, it's really good for you mm-hmm. and that person because you teach them that, you know, they can't run all over you. And then we have to check our stories too. The, the mm-hmm. actual story that's probably more true is that it, it will be hard for them and hard for you. But the thing about nines is that they're so likable that <laughs> that person is probably still going to want you in their life. And so sometimes these stories we have are not really true and we need to question yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. So I'm a one. And mm-hmm. I think I fluctuate between two and nine wing constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and autonomy is really important for nines. I know and the same for one. So the opposite of conflict is comfort and harmony. Mm-hmm. So are those things important to you? And if they are, how do you create them in your life? 
Yeah, I love making things comfortable and making things cozy. Those are things that I like, I'm passionate about. So for me, that means like turning mundane tasks into things that are like life-giving and joyful. Um, So whether it's like I'm cleaning my house and I have to clean all the showers and tubs. And so my reward in my mind is like, okay, when I get this done, I can make, you know, I can have a bubble bath or um, Mm -hmm. when I'm grading papers for school, like, okay, this isn't fun, but I'm going to make myself a cup of tea and get out my favorite gel pens or um, making dinner. I always put on Nora Jones. I feel like she's like, you know, makes me a little bit of an old soul to listen to her (laughs) at my age. Um, But it's just trying to make those things that are not as fun can be just kind of boring trying to make them joy filled and um yeah I love just making things cozy and um adding like a blanket to any room just um Mm. little things like that like hearing you speak (laughs) I'm like I am there for it I wish I was in your space yeah I want the tea I want the blanket I want Nora Jones Mm. laying in the background that that sounds lovely yes it, it does, and it sounds comforting. Like yeah. in that, right? Just to hear yeah, it. Yeah. Like I said, gravitating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Enneagram twos and Enneagram nines um, often like are confused with one another because they're a lot alike in many ways. And so I'm an Enneagram two, and so I can really relate to a lot of the struggles that the nines have. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can struggle uh, like you can struggle as a nine like me with boundaries, with acknowledging your own needs, with learning to say no, um, things like that. And so I'm wondering, like, how are you working on that? Expressing your own needs, saying no, setting boundaries. Um, how does that show up for you in your life and how yeah. are you working on it? <laughs> yeah. So I found I read a really good book called The Best Yes by Lisa Turkist, I think that's her name. The best, Um, yes, folks. Yeah. It was really good for me to read and realize when you say no to something, you're saying yes to other things. So looking at it more in like a positive light. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in this season of my life, I have kind of taken a step back. I used to teach yoga um, once a week and then sub classes when I could. Um, But I'm also an educator, which has been definitely difficult during this pandemic yeah, mm-hmm. and I had this realization a few weeks into the school year I don't think that I can still keep up teaching yoga mm-hmm. um, and it was hard and I like wrestled with it and I kind of cried over it because I loved doing it and mm-hmm. I felt like it was finally something I had pursued for myself and it took courage to do and it mm-hmm. was something that was good and challenging for me to do um, but I realized I needed to take a break and actually really receive from my mm-hmm. practice mm-hmm. rather than pour out and give. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's humbling to say, wow, like I don't have as much to give right now because I'm giving a lot to my students. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing to acknowledge those limits. Um, but it was good because it meant I could say yes to being able to take care of myself, sleeping in on Saturdays, yeah. really receiving from my yoga practice and all the benefits that come from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that's hard, but it was, yeah, it was good. And, mm-hmm. um, 
when I sat down and had that conversation with Jessica, who's the owner of Yoga Landing, Mm -hmm. she was so understanding and Mm -hmm. just um, sat there with me. Um, It was on the floor of her office and listened to me and gave me a hug and just was so encouraging. So having Mm -hmm. those conversations when you do have to say no to something and it's received well is also really healing for an Enneagram 9 to realize Mm -hmm. like, People are not going to be upset with me when I say no. Mm -hmm. And the right people in your life will handle that and take that well. Um, Mm -hmm. So, And you're so right. Like we pour out so much when we teach. Mm -hmm. Um, And and my Shavasana, I mean, not that I even take a Shavasana always when I'm with a class or teaching a class. But when I take a class, the Shavasanas are are beautiful and I'm integrating the practice Mm -hmm. and I'm receiving, like you said, that word receiving is powerful and, and nines and twos because they like to help others for different reasons need to receive. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so there is a big difference between teaching and pouring out and then, and then coming to a class to go and and receive and just to turn everything off and to be. And, uh, And you as a teacher who's offering all week long to then show up on the weekends and offer again, that's a lot. Um, but so good boundaries, good self-awareness. And, uh, I just commend you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, speaking of twos and nines, Mm -hmm. both have strong desires to have strong relationships. Mm -hmm. Is that true for you? And if it is, what relationships in your lives have been most challenging and or most rewarding? And perhaps Mm -hmm. it's all in the same. So could you speak a little on that? Yeah, I found this question was actually the hardest for me to answer, which is interesting. Um, I actually for a long time thought I was an Enneagram too, and Mm, then discovered I was a nine. And and one of the things that I realized is that um, I love being with people, but maybe unlike a two, it's not necessarily energizing for, it's, it's not as energizing yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that has to do with, I'm, I'm constantly trying to be aware of what the room's energy is of who's engaged in conversation mm-hmm. or who's in the corner and left out, whether or not I walk up to them and talk with them. I'm aware mm-hmm. oh, that person's by themselves. I wonder how they're feeling. Oh, mm-hmm. thank goodness. Someone went and talked with them immediate internal sense of relief when that happens. So for me, being around people is not as energizing, but it's still, um, it's still necessary because I love, Mm -hmm. I love building and gaining those relationships. Um, the most rewarding ones for me have been friends who have challenged me to be honest, Mm -hmm. kind of like what I had mentioned earlier about Jessica, who had, um, was so um, understanding when I said no about teaching yoga or other friends who they've asked my opinion about things and I have honestly told them something that might have been hard for them to hear and they're like wow Brittany I know that that's not easy for you I appreciate you sharing your opinion Um, those have been the most rewarding when I feel like my opinion is validated friends who ask me questions Mm -hmm. um, and really um desire to know who I am. Um, Nines don't readily just start talking about themselves and what they're going through in life. Mm -hmm. Um, So friends who ask good questions are really um, meaningful to me because it shows me they really do want to know about me. Mm -hmm. Um, The most challenging relationships have been ones where, um, and it's on me as well. I think Mm -hmm. before I was more 
aware of my Enneagram number and even just my patterns of the way Mm -hmm. that I do life. I just wasn't very good at, you know, talking about conflict or even knowing when something bothering me and then being able to vocalize it. And so those relationships in the past, when I haven't vocalized something that's bothering me, it just kind of snowballed and Mm -hmm. has caused friends to not treat me the way that I feel like now I would accept someone treating me Mm -hmm. or um, communicating with me. Um, And so those have been the most challenging where, um, you know, I haven't felt like my voice was heard or it was also in a time in my life when I didn't really know what my voice was or what bothered me. Um, Mm. So I love um, now I feel like as I've grown and who I am, it makes relationships um, much richer than they have been Mm -hmm. in the past because as you grow, like you you know more about yourself and your past history and your strengths and your weaknesses and Mm -hmm. you can come into that relationship offering more and knowing also what you deserve as a, Mm -hmm. as a friend as well. So, yeah. Mm. I mean, I would say, first of all, to read energy in the room for me, it's like a Jedi mind trick, exhausting just to always be aware so that's one comment and two you're so self-aware it's blowing my mind like so self-aware of patterns and how you feel and why you feel that way it it is very commendable Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Don't you think? Oh, she's very self-aware. I mean, right? <laughs> and, you know, the, the eights, the nines, and the ones are in the gut instinct triad. And so they can tend to have really good instincts. They can tend to have really great intuition. Um, and so that's a strength that uh, some eight, nines, and ones who are healthy have. And then the other thing I would say is that uh, nines are in the section of the Enneagram, like the fours and fives that we refer to. Um, we take this language from Karen Horney um, of moving away uh, or withdrawing. And so uh, even though they have this easygoing, relatable way about them and people generally like them, I mean, people gravitate towards nines because they are so easy to be with. Um, on the other hand, they can be more introverted than a two. Um, Now, I will say nines and twos, uh, there are many nines and twos who are both introverts and extroverts. So just because you're nine doesn't mean that you're an introvert. And just because you're a two doesn't mean that you're an extrovert. Like it's a little bit more complicated than that. But I would say a nine is more likely to need to pull away and have that time to themselves, have that comfort on the couch, you know, snuggling up with a cup of tea like you were talking about earlier. Um, So they just need a little bit more of that generally than most twos. Um, But there are, you know, I tend to think of myself as a two who is an ambivert, which is um, kind of right Whenever I've taken the Myers-Briggs, sometimes I score as an introvert and sometimes as an extrovert. So I I tend to just either say, 
Well, I, I have scored more as an introvert, so I tend to think of myself as either an introvert or an ambivert, kind of right in the middle. But a lot of nines um, who've taken the Myers-Briggs would, would end up as an introvert. Mm-hmm. So I know I just yes. went on and on, folks. <laughs> but I think, I think if we could do a whole episode on the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, oh, yeah. so maybe we'll do it's that. Coming. I feel it. We'll do that down the road. The seed has been <clears> planted. I apologize for my rambling, but I love that, that yeah. connection between the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. And don't you apologize, <laughs> You go for it. <laughs> so here's what I wonder. So as Enneagram 9, do you sometimes feel misunderstood? And if yes, how so? Yeah, I, I definitely feel nines can be misunderstood. And I think it's more feeling not known than misunderstood. Okay. Um, as I'd mentioned earlier, for me, it's hard to start sharing out of the blue about myself and how I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Typically I wait for a cue, like someone to ask me a question, um, because that to me is like, okay, they genuinely want to know how I'm doing. They've asked me, um, that question. So because of that, I don't always end up sharing as much of myself to others. Mm -hmm. Um, as I probably should and therefore don't feel as known. Um, so that's something I feel like I'm working on now is mm. being more vulnerable with people. Yeah. Um, but as I don't know if most nines do this, but for me as a nine, um, who I am is very intimate to me. And it's almost like it's a reward for you to know. And if mm. you ask me, I'm happy and like more than happy to share about how I'm doing and what's going on in my internal world. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not something that naturally flows out of me. Mm-hmm. So it causes me and maybe some other nines <laughs> to feel not as known because we're not going to up it, you know, loudly proclaim this is who I am to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love opportunities like this when I feel like, wow, people really do genuinely want to come and get to know me as a nine or we as a do. person. We do. <laughs> we do. Mm-hmm. So it feels, it, that feels so good. And I'm always so happy to share when people ask. Of course. And that reminds me of the fact that nines need to remember that their voice matters Mm -hmm. you know they need to kind of lean into that that eight and and just know that they they need Mm -hmm. to speak up sometimes a little bit more um, because mutuality in a relationship can be something that they can work on is expressing Mm -hmm. their feelings expressing their their thoughts expressing you know their their hopes and desires for their vocations and the future Um, Sometimes they can tend to focus on their partner's dreams or needs Mm -hmm. or their friend's dreams or needs more than their own. And so that can lead to a nine feeling um, like they don't matter. And that's the needed childhood message for a nine is your presence matters. You matter. And I think a nine is more likely to feel that if they show up for themselves in some ways. And like you said, that can be really hard, but that's kind of the spiritual and emotional work for the nine is you matter as much as I do, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and so show up for yourself in the way that you show up for others. Mm -hmm. Um, What are your thoughts on that? I know I just said a lot. (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel like that's, yeah, it's definitely a healing message for me to hear. Um, 
it's hard sometimes when I feel I share a lot about myself. I leave a conversation. I'm like, I talk too much. Mm. Um, and I have this like internal like processing. It might be, I tend to lean towards a wing one. And so mm-hmm. I leave conversations where I share a lot, like overanalyzing. Yeah. Did I say too much? Mm. Did I say enough? Did I communicate that right? Did I ramble too much? Um, mm. And so, yeah, it's hard for me. Even Mm -hmm. when I do share, I sometimes leave. I think sometimes like when you finally do begin to lean towards that healthy side or even reach towards your growth number, um, you have this tendency to pull, to want to pull back and to Mm -hmm. feel like this doesn't feel natural. This is, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I did that right. Mm -hmm. Um, You kind of second guess yourself, but it is important. So still growing there <laughs> good self-awareness right of that one inner I'm, critic showing up yeah welcome yeah. to the team <laughs> i mean i woulda coulda shoulda runs mm-hmm. all day every day mm-hmm. let me ask you about this Brittany. so what are some mindfulness tools mm-hmm. that are your go-to and i know there's a buzzword nowadays we're all about self-care mm-hmm. you know what in short is your self-care because we interviewed an eight mm-hmm. uh recently in And she talked about, you know, similarly to nine, being around people, it's not energizing. A lot of times it feels draining, depleting. Mm -hmm. And she said, like, literally, I'm like a battery, just I need to recharge it. So how do you Mm -hmm. recharge? Yeah, um, I do a few different things. So yoga is a huge one for me. Mm -hmm. Typically, I'll head straight from work to yoga. And it's like this really great in between, mm-hmm. I feel like it kind of smooths over all the rough edges of the day. And then I go mm-hmm. home and I'm like, so zen down. I'm yeah. Like, Colin, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so much better. <laughs> um, so yoga is a huge thing. And then also I found that showers and baths are really helpful. It's mm-hmm. almost like this um, literal washing away of the day. Like, I know I'm going through a stressful season when I take, like, three showers a day because I need that, like, Mm -hmm. I need to wash this day off. Um, And it's just that, like, alone and quiet time. Um, And also, you know, cups of tea, um, warm socks, like, all those things that make you feel cozy. Um, Those are definitely things that help me to recharge and um yeah and when I was writing those down I didn't even think about like how all those activities are things I do alone but they are mm-hmm. <laughs> um so that alone time is so helpful yeah. yeah I get it you know I get about the shower and I'm just I'm going to step out there on on the ledge I'm not a huge shower I do shower people <laughs> but, like it's not my happy place mm-hmm. uh, but I remember there's certain times for example I remember vividly going through yoga training and you know how you do the whole day long yeah or with you know going through this process and I just needed to go home and like wash the energy off and it Mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily bad energy but it was just so much of it I needed to wash it off so I totally get it it's like a reset right Mm -hmm. yeah I'm with you I'm with you I love that. Okay, so my next question is about the deadly sin of the nine, which is sloth. We might call that our shadow side. Um, And so sloth is not necessarily complacency. I think um, Enneagram nines are not 
um, always people who are slothful, and yet they can have this tendency to disengage from the fullness of life, or to even, like we were talking about earlier, to disengage from their like vocational pursuits, what they really want, their heart's desire. Um, and so I'm just wondering, how does sloth show up in your life? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think of sloth as self-forgetting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's those times when... Um, I don't know. I feel like I didn't fully come to realize who I was. And it may have just been like adolescence, but until I was in my mid twenties, like around Mm -hmm. 24, 25 out of college years, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people begin to discover who they are during their college years. And Mm -hmm. for me, it came after. Um, and it's funny because it, it, it showed up in ways like I'm going to wear that metallic rose gold pink shoe because I like it and I'm Mm -hmm. not going to care what someone else thinks about it. Like Mm -hmm. showing up to like even the way that you dress, like project who you are to the world in little Mm -hmm. and nuanced ways. Um, And those were things I feel like when I was, you know, before my mid twenties, I just kind of like went through life in more of a, like a dull um, mm-hmm. manner. I don't know how to describe it, but it was around that time, like whether it was coming out of adolescence or finishing up years in college and finally like being on my own and realizing like I have the capacity to actually pursue what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm not surrounded by all these people who are my peers telling me this is, you know, the way that you should act or how you should do things. It was kind of like, whoa, I can like set up my apartment the way that I want it. I can approach my work the way that I'd like to. Mm -hmm. And I'm on my own. I'm completely out of my parents' home. So um, it, it really, it's, it was more like self-forgetting and kind of like a dull, Mm -hmm. um, dimmer way of living, if that makes sense. And I think Mm -hmm. coming out of, um, that and really stepping into who I was a part of that was going through yoga teacher training. Um, Mm. and I'd been wanting to do it for a long time and finally did it. And I think that was, um, a healing experience for me to be around people who were very different from me because you have all these different people from all different Mm -hmm. walks of life coming into one room to pursue teaching yoga for all different reasons. Um, and being able to share my voice in class and people like they listen mm-hmm. and yeah. realizing like, whoa, my voice does matter in this mm-hmm. group of people. And then even as I was teaching yoga, um, doing things that I'd wanted to do, but I knew were uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, working through my first year as an educator, it was a really hard time and making mm-hmm. it through that first year and still teaching after that. Um, realizing like, wow, I have the strength and the capacity to pursue things that I like and people will listen Mm -hmm. and people might notice. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that self-forgetting is definitely something I still fall into in times of stress because it's almost like you're numbing out um, those things you want to pursue but don't have the energy to. Um, But in health, it's when I'm recognizing them and pursuing them. And walking towards them, even if I see there are a lot of obstacles along the way. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that, that, um, self forgetting Mm -hmm. that's, um, I'll remember that word for the Enneagram nine for sure. And I would say that, um, the nine with a one wing has a tendency even more than a nine with an eight wing to self forget, um, because there's 
the nine's personality to merge and conform and along with the should of the one that I should dress this way. My apartment needs to look this way. I want to merge and conform. I would say that threes get a rap for being the one on the Enneagram who needs to work on being an authentic, true self. And yet the nine can really lose their identity and their sense of self by merging with others, by conforming to the world if they're not really careful. And so, and again, especially if there's a one that says it has to be done this way, the one wing can really influence that. And so, yeah, they can self forget. And so that's really good wisdom that you have to say, hey, this is how I'm going to dress and show up in the world in a unique, you know, individual way to kind of move towards that individuation is really important for a nine. So really great self-reflection. Like I loved that. Thank you for your answer. I agree. I agree. So I think every Enneagram number has certain number of stereotypes that perhaps don't mm-hmm. hold truth or miss. Any stereotypes about Enneagram 9 that you would want to dispel? Mm. Yeah, I think it kind of stems off that last question yeah. of like the the weakness being sloth. Yeah. Um a lot of times people also translate that as laziness. Right. And I don't mm-hmm. think many Enneagram nines are actually lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes we're working so hard internally um, that it comes off as lazy to someone who's not seen everything going on under the surface. So right. like, for example, last night I was with some friends going to um, a soccer game and I feel like I actually didn't contribute much to some of the conversations, but I was listening. I was observing what was going on there. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, taking in like all the people walking through, oh, that person, they don't look very happy right now. I wonder what's going on in their life or, you know, all the different sound, like just trying to take in what's going on around me while also listening to the conversation and then still putting in some engagement as well. So I think sometimes you don't see everything that's going on um, in a nine because so much is under yeah. the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've, I've heard like a metaphor before of like the, the duck or the swan metaphor. It's just like gliding on the water so easily, but there's so much going on underneath under. the surface. You're just like paddling like hell. You're to, so right. You know, like going. To, going back to Olympics, mm-hmm. synchronized swimmers. Mm-hmm. That is a nine in essence because mm-hmm. the camera is not just on the top of the surface. They're fil- filming from the bottom. And oh my God, have y'all ever worked? I need I all of y'all swimming. to go and YouTube it, people. Synchronized. <laughs> swimmers olympics the amount of work that's happening under the show it is mind-boggling mm-hmm. i am convinced it's the hardest olympic sport it's, it's the <laughs> hardest sport there is yeah. and that in terms of a nine the work that they do is the biggest work yet to just the general eye well yeah there's some stuff happening on the surface yeah it's kind of cute and yeah but you don't under until you look under the surface you have no clue and once you do mind blown 
I love that metaphor. Right? Yes. That is so good. I'm all up with the Olympic <laughs> metaphors. And I feel like yes. you're making fun of me a little bit because remember, I didn't watch the Olympics this I year and you were it. horrified. Like you're it up every episode. <laughs> but I usually do watch the Olympics, but I feel like having a one-year-old, there's just no time. I watched for both of us this year. I watched for both of us. <laughs> all right. So um, the era of health for the nine um, is the three. And so when you're in a healthier space, you, as a nine, become a little bit more action oriented or energized and confident like a three right and so tell me a little bit about a yoga pose that makes you feel energized confident active putting yourself out there like a three yeah so um I really love arm balances I think it was last year in the fall I did an arm balances workshop at yoga landing um and had really started to get into like integrating them into my yoga practice. It's not something I've always been able to do, but I think those kind of poses are so good for me to see, hey, look at the progress you made because mm. a lot of times as a nine, you don't want to even start a goal because you see all the hurdles ahead mm. and seeing progress along, you know, any kind of journey of growth that you're having is just so like, energizing for me um so I love those arm balances because not something I've been able to do but I can now um and I've been working on a forearm balance for a while um and it's something I feel like I have the strength to do but I just have to keep practicing and building up more strength um and it's hard but it's rewarding to see like that progress that keeps coming along um and it makes me feel like really confident I remember Mm -hmm. like when I first started yoga seeing people do those crazy moves and you're like wow look at what they like they're accomplishing um so those are some of my favorite um poses I just feel like they're hard but yeah they're they're good for me to to engage in those hard things those scary things so yeah I mean the poses that we do in yoga I think we undermine how much that shifts things for us in our everyday life like when we do um, a pose that's really difficult for us um, like the arm balances Mm -hmm. then we're able to show up in life and do the really hard and difficult things right like I mean but I don't think we like always realize how it's opening us up in so many ways like opening us up in the heart space when we do like goddess pose or something Mm -hmm. like it's it's really shifting things um so when we move in the body it can translate to how we show up in our heart space and in our lives Mm -hmm. and that's pretty beautiful yeah I used to I think when I first started yoga I also used to hate like throat opening poses Mm -hmm. camel was one that I just did not enjoy and now I love it like it and I don't know if it's because I finally have started like sharing my voice more and I feel like that part of my body is just more open yeah um but yeah camel and fish pose those are like some of my favorites now because I just feel like wow like yeah I feel a little bit vulnerable in those poses but also like wow this part of my body is finally being they tap in where they need to tap in where it really matters isn't that awesome I know I love it yoga (laughs) magic right there well I have my last question and it's about yoga so COVID year crazy year and Mm -hmm. um um do you tend to be a homebody 
or not and then in terms of your yoga practice do you have a home yoga practice and I know with COVID a lot of us had to create a home yoga practice which could be super challenging Mm -hmm. and if you did do it for yourself what kind of tips can you offer to our listeners and to how to create a home practice for yourself yeah yeah I love um my home practice for sure. I love being at home in general. It's just like my safe space, the place I go back to, to reflect and to recharge. Um, and I think I tend to have like a more, um, natural outline of, I kind of go through a yoga class at home on my own. It's hard for me to focus with videos. Mm -hmm. There are some really great practitioners you can practice with. Yoga Landing has a virtual yoga, um, space as well. And that's, awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I also just love moving with my body's own needs. Mm -hmm. So I typically move through like a normal yoga classes outline. I start with like settling poses, um, and then move through my sun salutations and standing poses and then some balancing poses, um, core work and hip openers. And then I finish with a Shavasana. Um, but typically I, gain a lot of the energy for my practice through creating a really great playlist too. Something that energizes me, songs that are speaking to me at the moment. Um, And I really try to like coordinate my practice with that music as well. Um, And it seems like it's a little more watery and fluid that way, Um, but it also helps me to tap into my body and what I'm feeling. Um, A lot of times music can bring up the more emotional side that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, So trying to connect in that like heart and body um, and soul in one piece. So um, definitely I would encourage people who are trying to make their own yoga space at home to find like a really great yoga channel that you could do it with or also just really ask yourself what are you needing today when you show up on your mat sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm just needing a restorative practice and sometimes I'm needing something more energizing and to stretch out you know my hips or to work more on my shoulders or just different parts um but it takes a lot of like I don't know if if you haven't practiced yoga before it's probably going to be difficult because you have to know yourself and your body and kind of what's feeling tight today Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's definitely something I enjoy though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, the reason I like yoga practice at home, it's sort of a more of a judgment free zone. Mm -hmm. You can, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to wear certain things and doesn't have to be kind of bad and you don't have to keep it to an hour. So if you're able to just kind of, like you said, be more mindful and decide, do I need five minutes today of just Mm -hmm. sitting in meditation or do I need 30 minutes of movement? Mm -hmm. But you just kind of go with your own flow and don't worry about anybody else being on that one judgy tree saying, yeah. oh, what is she doing over there? You know, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank Definitely, you. Of yeah. Judgment-free zone and at home is nice. And ideally, hopefully we're cultivating that in our studios too. Um, but, but that takes a lot of inner work when we can come to a place where we, you know, stop being hard on ourselves and also being hard on others sure. and that's the work of yoga and the Enneagram I mean they both invite us mm-hmm. to that um, so I have another question about um, anger you're in mm-hmm. the anger triad of the Enneagram <laughs> and what I know about nines is that they tend to disown their anger and I understand that um, I've, I remember um, somebody telling me he was uh, 
my clinical pastoral education supervisor. Basically, he was just my chaplain supervisor when I was in my early 20s. And he told me basically that I was disowning my anger. And I looked at him and said, I'm not angry. And I really had to go on a journey Mm -hmm. of getting in touch with my anger and realizing that I did have a lot of anger. And I feel like I share that in common with a lot of the nines. Like I had to, I wasn't acknowledging the part of me that can be a challenger, the two going to the eight in stress. Um, I just, I didn't like that because, you know, I was this happy, kind helper too. I didn't want to be angry or even acknowledge my that part of me. But there's a lot of growth when we do get in touch with our anger and when we allow ourselves to be angry and when we give ourselves permission to go there, mm-hmm. um, which is still hard for me and it's still something I continue to work on. Um, but tell me about you for nines that can show up disowning their anger as being passive aggressive. So tell me a little bit about your relationship with anger mm-hmm. and how you're working on it. Yeah, I don't know if I'm an abnormal nine. I feel like anger comes up pretty easily for me. And maybe that's because I push it down a lot. And then when it finally does come up, it's like loud and proud about it. Um, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah. um, But for me, I've found... I'm, I'm trying to learn what does it look like to have that emotion because it comes up so big when it does come up that I just don't know what to do with all of the energy. Um, so some of the things that have helped me um, with acknowledging that anger and also utilizing it um, is sometimes I just have to have an honest conversation with God and use some unchristian language, yeah. <laughs> but he already knows it. So um, just sharing that with him and then also naming my emotion I found that that's really good to acknowledge like I'm feeling angry right now Mm -hmm. I'm naming that Mm -hmm. um and then I've been reading a really great book by um I think it's Audie Colbert called Mm -hmm. Try Softer um and she has some really great strategies for what you do when you have these large emotions um and naming it is one of them and then also like acknowledging where am I feeling that in my body right now Mm -hmm. so is the anger like just sitting in my chest or am I like just harsh like feeling it really tight in my belly um Mm. and breathing into that space so taking those Mm. deep breaths breathing into that space and trying to soften it there um and then also sometimes I I feel almost guilty for having the anger too Mm -hmm. because it feels like such a negative emotion. Sure. You're not necessarily proud of it, especially as a nine. When it does come up, you're like, I've worked so hard to keep this mm-hmm. down. Why is this all coming up at once? Um, but just treating myself with self-compassion. Um, mm. Like, it's totally normal to feel this. People mm-hmm. feel anger every single day when yep. they're driving down mm-hmm. the road. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and those strategies have been really helpful for me. I've um, also... Um, I don't remember where I got this from, but someone was talking about there are also constructive ways to use your anger and like energizing ways. And a lot of that is more social justice oriented. Mm -hmm. So you have this feeling, what does it mean to make things right? And how can you go about doing that from that big place of energy? It's almost like your body telling you like you need this energy to do something because something is not right here. Um, So that's something I want to grow in like not just managing it and figuring out what to do with it, but like, how can I then channel it and like utilize it as I move forward? That's hard. (laughs) That was so good. So your strategies for dealing with anger, tell me if I missed any of them. Mm -hmm. 
naming those to God and feeling free to just name it with any sort of language to say, God, I'm really, really mad and that that's healthy. And then your other strategy is to look inside of your body to see Mm -hmm. where the anger resides, to acknowledge it, to befriend it, to breathe into Mm -hmm. it. Um, Another uh, strategy is to say to yourself, you know, instead of feeling guilty about anger, Mm -hmm. to normalize it, that anger is healthy and to be compassionate towards yourself, to offer yourself compassion for feeling it and to allow yourself to feel that anger. Another strategy is, and you're working on this one and me too, um, is to kind of live into that one wing and to do something about your anger in regards to social justice and changing, you know, the world, like Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the world. Use that anger to do good. Um, anything else? Did I miss anything about no, your strategy? I think strategy? you summarized okay. it pretty well. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought they were beautiful. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. So one last question from us, and uh, that is what uh, parts of you is the Enneagram healing? Yeah, I think for me, when I learned about the Enneagram, it was just helpful to know there are other people out there like me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure everyone who's discovered Enneagram and like recognize what their number is like, whoa, other people operate the same way. I'm not crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Not alone. (laughs) Yes, I'm not alone. Um, And that's such a good feeling for me. And then it also allows me to like get to know people in my life who are other numbers and know their motivations a little bit better mm-hmm. and understand like we're all working through some kind of, um, you know, some message that was not portrayed to us correctly when we were young or um, we're working through trying to, you know, we all have our different struggles. And mm-hmm. so it allows you to not only treat yourself with more grace, but others with more grace. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, even when I'm at work sometimes and I'm like, wow, that person didn't respond very kindly to that student. Or, um, I noticed the way that I've responded to someone that day and recognizing, well, that's probably like the way that I've responded or the way they responded may not be really the source of the problem. It's probably just popping up from something else in their life. Um, so Enneagram has helped me to recognize there's a lot deeper seated motivations and sometimes Mm -hmm. what we see on the surface is not always all that there is. So allows me to give myself more grace and others. (laughs) Yeah. It's a pathway to understanding Mm -hmm. ourselves and others, to giving grace to others and to Mm -hmm. ourselves. So yeah, good stuff. Want to be excited about you and a new project in your life. Tell us about your blog. Yeah, yeah. So recently my sister and I started a blog. It's called Annie and Audrey. Um, my middle name's Audrey and her middle name is Anne. So we kind of thought, oh, this is a cute little Love it. <laughs> blog we can put together. She lives on the other side of the ocean. She's in Albania. And we've been close since we were little, just best friends, which I've realized is actually kind of rare to be so close with your siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've wanted to stay connected, even though we're far apart. So we started a blog together. And it helps me to kind of see into what is she processing through in her world and then vice versa, what's going on in mine. Um, and then sometimes we'll also write collaborative blog posts where we just, you know, we collaborate on a post that's question and answer something like that and we both can work on that virtually and be in the same virtual space even though we're not together um so it's um there's a strong emphasis on just what it looks like to live mindfully in the world um and it's from a faith-based perspective so just kind of come that come into the blog knowing that um but 
Yeah, it's just a really great way to stay connected with my sister and then also write about things that we both find are meaningful and that we want to share with other people. So I love that. And I would say one of my closest friends who's a nine is a writer and the mm. talk style of the nine is epic storytellers. And mm. so a lot of times yes. nines are great uh, bloggers and writers. And so mm-hmm. just want to affirm that that gift in you. Um, and that's a, a gift in many nines. Uh, I'm going to give <laughs> Kat our Jerry Springer moment. Any final <laughs> thoughts? <laughs> I just want to thank you, uh, Brittany. It has been such a pleasure. Your energy... I feel like our listeners will feel it. It is beautiful and calming and lovely. Your wisdom is far beyond your years. I cannot wait for everyone to listen to what you had to share. And that was very generous. So we thank you. We thank you. Thank you so much. It's good to be here today. Thank you guys for listening. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You had a lot of important things to say and, and we appreciate it. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you. This meditation is for Brittany, all Enneagram 9s, and anyone who is on a journey of trying to be a little bit more expansive and show up in the world in a bigger way. And for that reason, I have chosen starfish pose as a yoga pose for the Enneagram nines during this meditation. Certainly, you can do this meditation driving in the car or in any comfortable position. But if you want to go to starfish pose, it's kind of like five-pointed star on your back. So your arms are in a V-shape with the palms facing up towards the ceiling. The legs are as wide as they can be you're rooting and grounding your body down towards the earth below you and most importantly you're starting to take deep cleansing breaths in and out let's find one more deep intentional breath together offering thanks for the Enneagram 9 and their friendliness, gentleness, empathy, cooperativeness, accepting nature, and easygoing presence. As an Enneagram 9, my instinct to create harmony and peace is a gift I offer this world. But even though this peacemaker nature is a strength of mine, it also comes with some growing edges. I release the tendency to defer to others and put their needs above my own needs. I want to change my tendency to disengage from life or even my vocational desires. I am worthy of abundant life. In this space of stillness, I am reminded that my presence matters. My needs matter. My voice matters. As I continue to breathe in and out, I ask myself these questions. How can I show up 
more in the world? How can I move towards conflict or hard things instead of running from them? My presence matter. My needs matter. My voice matters. Start to find yourself coming back to this present moment. Know that the light in me honors and sees the light in each of you. Namaste, friends. Mm-hmm.